Welcome to the Hashimoto's Healing Podcast. I'm Chelsea, a fellow Hashimoto's warrior and registered dietitian, and I'm here to help you through your Hashimoto's healing journey and get you feeling good. Yes. Each week, we will dive deep and provide you with tips, tricks, and everything you need on your healing journey from myself and some amazing guests in the community. If you're ready to start ditching those Hashimoto's symptoms and jump headfirst into your healing journey, then stick around. Let's get started. Hello, welcome back. I am so excited. I have Amanda here, the gut health nutritionist, the (laughs) queen of all gut health. Um, And we had to have her back for a second episode because we got so many amazing questions that all about gut health and Hashimoto's that we wanted to help you answer. And I just love talking to her. So welcome back, Amanda. I'm so glad you're here. Me too. I'm excited. Thank you for having me, Chelsea. Of course. Oh my goodness. So um, we left off our last podcast really talking about the relationship between gut health and thyroid health. And um, I knew we would get a ton of questions, which is so good because there's such a big correlation I have found working with women when they come to me with Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism Mm -hmm. and their gut is a mess, which I'm sure you see too. So I'm so glad we got some great questions from um, our listeners. So I'm, let's just hop in and we'll like okay. just Sounds good. talk through what these amazing warriors want to know about. Right. So the first question is how to deal with leaky gut without an orthorexic approach? Yes, that is such a good question because diet culture has permeated the gut health Mm -hmm. space. And so a lot of the messaging, which is probably the inspo behind this question, a lot of the messaging in the gut health world tends to be really focused on restriction, restrict, 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 take these things away. And a lot of like elitism, like you need to eat, you know, everything needs to be organic and you need to prep everything from scratch and you should never buy food out and So I imagine that's some of the inspiration. So to answer the question, how to address leaky gut without an orthorexic approach, Mm -hmm. there's so many things you can do. And this is really a lot of the messaging that I try to give out there around gut health is that restriction is not the first approach when it comes to improving your gut health. You do not need to, nor should you start eliminating a bunch of foods Uh, random foods that you see on different people's lists. And the reason being is because everyone's definition of what gut-friendly food is, is going to be different person to person. So a lot of the orthorexia, uh, you know, diet culture belief is uh, just one universal list of foods and there's no one universal list of foods out there. So to approach gut health, if you want to start improving your gut health without having that you know, restricted post, it first begins with identifying what is working for you and what's not working for you and get that baseline going. This is where I think a food and mood journal can be really, really helpful with identifying what is gut friendly look like for my food and what does gut friendly look like for my lifestyle? Because those two things go hand in hand. Um, So I would say that would be like the first first thing you'd really want to do. I love that. I love that. And as someone 
I personally have dealt with the elimination diets, you know, low fat, you know, we're talking yeah. about all this orthorexic uh, mm-hmm. culture. And it's so interesting that in my programs and what I do is we start adding in gut healthier options that work Mm -hmm. best for your body versus eliminating everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, you know, that mindset too is also helpful. Like what can we do to help you without talking about taking things out, restriction, you know, all that stuff to help your mindset but also yeah. help you feel as good as you possibly can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I love that. So good. So yeah, food and mood journal. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, I would say work with someone who yeah. who takes a non-orthorexic approach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously everyone's case is completely different. You, you for example, for me, you know, my things that were triggering my gut health, I had to remove. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, it didn't come from a place of restriction. It came yeah. from because of the work I've done around yeah. orthorexia and binge eating and things like that. Yeah. It came from a place of this food really doesn't make me feel good. So let's see how I feel without it. And if I feel good without it, then I get to choose when, if, how I have it um, exactly. and my relationship with it. And I think that that, you know, working with someone to work on that relationship too, with yourself, your body, your environment is mm-hmm. also going to be really helpful. Really. It truly goes back to the intention. Where is this coming from? Cause you're right. There, there are times where, um, there are going to be foods you might really love that your gut doesn't, you know, really love back. And it, and it goes back to what's your intention behind maybe removing that food, if that's the case, or eating less of that food. Um, sometimes it doesn't always necessarily equate to an automatic removal. Sometimes it could be, you know, uh, a fun food that you have and like, oh, I know if I'm going to eat this, I might feel not so great, but this is why I want to eat this because I'm celebrating or whatever it happens to be mm-hmm. really going back to your intention. Cause that's where the power is it's coming from you versus some outside force, because that's where the orthorexia, the diet culture um, comes in when it's coming from outside of yourself. Yeah. So good. Such a good question. Yeah. I love it. So good. So Next question um, Mm -hmm. is, is it possible to get too much probiotics? That's a really good question. And one that I'd have to kind of, I'm like thinking through as you're, as you were saying that there could be one scenario that I can think of off the top of my head where, you know, maybe too much probiotics could be a thing. Actually two scenarios. Now that I think of it, two scenarios, one, you're going from zero to a hundred maybe like literally, <laughs> because like, depending <laughs> on how many strings or, you know, yeah. are in your probiotic, if you decide to get on that uh, probiotic life on Monday and have never touched one ever in your life and you, you know, get one that has a high amount, uh, your gut's probably like, what are you doing to me? Uh, I'm not used to this. Your gut doesn't like change. It, it needs, it likes things to be acclimated to slowly. So that could be one scenario. It's maybe not necessarily too much, but it's too much too quickly. That's more of the key. It's like the too quickly piece of it. So that could be one case where too much might be the issue, but more so the the pace at which you're starting to add in the probiotic. 
The other scenario that I can think of where a probiotic might be too much is if you are taking it and your gut isn't feeling well and uh, maybe out of brain fart, (laughs) all of a sudden, maybe it's not feeling well or like your diet by not feeling well. I mean, like your digestion fills off. Maybe you feel more bloated and it doesn't seem to go away. It seems to happen no matter how slowly you add it in, add in that probiotic, you know, that could be a sign that there's some dysbiosis going on, which is just a fancy way of saying some imbalances that need to be addressed. Uh, so that would be like another scenario of maybe, you know, having too much of a probiotic and honestly with, and I'm, I'm assuming probiotic supplement, that's a good clarification because you can get yeah, probiotics, yeah. right. From food and food. preferably uh, you'd want to do food first. Ideally that, you know, that's always as a dietitian, right. You're just like, it's always like mm-hmm. food is ideal supplements, definitely are really helpful. And more doesn't always equal better either when it comes to, you know, how much is in your probiotic supplement. And that can be kind of, you know, what strains you want, how much you want. That's where working with a dietitian and a provider can really help give you some clarity and guidance around that. For sure. I know I was going to ask, you know, I've definitely overdone it. I've had like Mm -hmm. take supplemental probiotics um, and then I'll have kombucha and I'll have, you know, I'll like kind of load up throughout the day. And I personally... I have a history of gut health issues. So I definitely get bloated when I personally have too much, but this is, I think a case of read your body and, yeah. you know, if you're getting it, your probiotics through food, that's amazing. But like, see how you feel mm-hmm. and see how your digestive tract is working for you. Yeah. Always trying to tap back into like that mindfulness piece of us, you know, just being aware of, of what's going on. Don't just take it and like, forget about it, (laughs) which is easy to do. For sure. I love it. So good. So next question is, is dairy and gluten with Mm -hmm. gut health and Hashimoto's? So I'm assuming we got a variety, like a lot of this question, like basically, can you have gluten and dairy with gut health issues and Hashimoto's? So this is really where kind of my philosophy goes back to gut friendly is going to mean different things to different people and dairy and gluten are common, (laughs) common issues for people, uh, especially if they might have Hashi's. So I wouldn't say it's an automatic, you need to remove for the rest of your life situation. I would say this goes back to addressing the how much, how often, and kind of identifying your tolerance with these things. Uh, you might want to do, you could do like a trial elimination of removing it and then adding it back in and seeing to kind of help you identify like what your tolerance with gluten would be and what your tolerance with dairy would be. And kind of like you mentioned, Chelsea, for some people that might mean you, you do want to remove it if it makes you feel a lot better without it in your life. Mm-hmm. And for some, it may, might mean, oh, I can have, you know, a piece of sourdough toast when I go out to breakfast with my family, you know, at the, for brunch or something like that every once in a while. So really identifying what your tolerance is, but I wouldn't say they're automatic. You need to remove the rest of your life, every single person. Yeah. And it's also the quality of the product. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. That's a good definite distinction rather. Uh, You know, how are you enjoying uh, that, you know, dairy or the um, gluten? Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. And I I completely agree on the Hashimoto's end. You know, 
there's no rule book that Mm. states this is exactly what you need to do to help your thyroid and to help your gut. Good luck. I wish there were. Right. Right. I was going to say, I was like, we all wish there was, it would be that. (laughs) Or it just, it doesn't work that way. And I think you have to, uh, this is when empowering yourself and being mindful of what works best for you and your body is important. And, and always one thing I, I, always have to remind myself and other women is these um elimination diets and saying that with air quotes um Mm -hmm. experiments whatever you know feels Mm -hmm. good to you um are meant to be temporary yes are meant to experiment with um you know and then just like amanda said and this is what i you know what i kind of live by is you experiment with it and mm-hmm. see how it makes you feel. If you feel so effing good without gluten and you choose as an empowered, informed person to no longer ha- include it in your lifestyle, all the power to you, Yeah, you know? And, and, and just like Amanda said, you know, there are some strains of sourdough that women with Hashimoto's and gut health issues can tolerate really well. It's all about finding what works best for you. And I think that that's like the best advice ever when it comes to diet and gut health and Hashimoto's. Love it. All right, next question. Um, And this one stumped me a little bit. So uh, I'm gonna ask you, but is there a correlation between TSH and gut health? So TSH, for those who don't know, is the thyroid stimulating hormone Mm -hmm. that um, your antibodies when you have Hashimoto's can affect. Yeah. So that is a good question. One that I'm also kind of like instinctually gut feeling. I'm like, there has to be right there. There needs, there has to be some type of, of connection with the TSH and, and uh, your microbiome most likely. Uh, But I, to be specific with it, I'm not quite sure. I yeah. am honestly not quite sure the science behind that. And that's something I'm going to have to kind of dig into after this. Cause I'm like, Ooh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So uh, instinctually, I would think there has to be some type of way. Cause there are people, especially we know, you know, with people with hash, uh, hashies that have, you know, digestive issues. And so a lot of the times, even if you don't have thyroid issues, I've, I've seen a lot of people when they start working on their gut health, it's kind of like the first domino and a domino effect. And it, seems to affect other, you know, improve other areas of their body's health. So there has to be some type of connection, but I'm not hundred percent sure what it would look like or what it is. Right. Yeah. I know, you know, it's, it's, I wish we were able to do a lot more research on thyroid health and other organs, but I think yes. what we do know is that our TSH, our thyroid the hormones it produces get converted in different organs, like our gut, like our liver and things Mm -hmm. like that. So I think it's kind of like everything's connected. So if your gut health is in good health, typically your thyroid health is a little better and vice versa. So I think um, there, there is a correlation, but like you said, I don't know, but I, I I can't think of the mechanism and the 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 chemistry behind it, but there has to be, there has to be. (laughs) There has to be. No, but that's a great question. That brings us into our next question because, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you have Hashimoto's, you automatically assume you have gut health issues. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. 
I don't think, you know, I think this kind of goes back to like the individual uh, individualism when it comes to addressing your health. I don't think just because you have a thyroid or Hashi's that you automatically have like digestion issues. I'd say it's common for sure, but I wouldn't say across the board, every single person is going to automatically have issues, which should feel good, right? Because it, you don't want to like stack on all of these things. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, so I t- completely agree. Everyone's different. Yeah. Um, okay, so how can we make bone broth taste better? <sighs> okay, uh, I, I am a fan. Next, let me rephrase that. I am not a fan of drinking bone broth uh, like as a cup of tea. That grosses me out. Just saying that <laughs> right now. I always saw that, you know, people on Instagram, oh, just sip on bone broth. Ew, who, who does that? I'm just kidding, but really. <laughs> Um, I do, but <laughs> like so Chelsea does, but I cannot for the life long time get that. I, I can't. Um, I so yeah. whoever asked this question, I totally feel you because I also think it's kind of gross. So uh, two things that I've noticed have really helped is not making it myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there's this one brand that I buy that I actually really like. Like the taste is just really good to me. I get it at like sprouts in the frozen section. And I just really enjoy that one. So a, I think me not making it. Cause I don't know, for whatever reason, I can't get down like the flavorings. Right. right. Um, B don't drink it and put it in things. So I love soups. I like, soup, like, I know you said it's 97 Chelsea, but I would totally eat soup where you are. Like I just could eat mm-hmm. soup anytime, any weather. So putting it just like with soup and with other flavorings, with other things, or putting it with your pasta or your rice. So you're not just drinking it. You're kind of adding other things to give it a little bit more, oomph, a little bit more flavor. Yeah, that's so true. It took me um, a long time to like grow accustomed to be able to just drink a, a my cup of bone broth in the morning. Yeah. Um, but I will see, I'm the opposite. I don't enjoy the store-bought as much mm. as I enjoy making it myself. So I think that this is where like, what makes you feel good? Like you yeah. do you, but I add a lot of salt to mine, like a lot of sea salt and I love salty yeah. soups. Like that's like my mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if, if I have a soup that's not salty, I won't eat it. Um, so I definitely think that that helps, but I make sure I put in flavors and things yeah. that I like. Also, I make sure I'm getting my bones from like high quality places. Yes. yes. Um, I order like bone broth kits from a farm in Ohio. So like, I'm like, oh, you wow, know what I mean? So I, cool. I go bougie with it. Yeah. Um, but I don't eat, I don't drink it all the time. I definitely enjoy store-bought. I, there's one brand I like, and I'll link that in the show notes, guys, Kettle and Fire. Um, I oh, really yeah, enjoy cool. theirs uh-huh. and it's shelf stable, stable, which I really uh-huh. like because yeah. it's not, not frozen. It's not, I don't have to like eat it in a certain amount of time. It's just there. And the flavors are really, really yummy. And I have a discount code. So we'll pop that in the show notes for you guys, but either make it yourself, but like experiment with it. This is another yeah. thing, like go around and try all of them. Um, you know, like you can, uh, go to your local store and try one brand every time you go shopping and see what floats your boat. Yeah. See what you like. There's so many different ones out there. Totally. And everyone has a different taste. So (laughs) it's hard to say. Um, Okay. So next question is, I know Chelsea doesn't typically suggest intermittent fasting, which is true um, for thyroid health, but what about for gut health? 
You know, this is where I see, I don't see a consensus quite honestly. Um, And if anything, I almost see people not do so well with intermittent fasting if they have digestion issues. But I, again, it's hard to say because there's so, there's such a wide variety of concerns. So I think it really goes into like, what is their primary concern and what, how are, what's their eating pattern normally look like? So for some, oops, my phone's going up, but for some, you know, intermittent fasting might make them feel better. Um, and I've seen for others, it makes them feel more nauseous and like their, their gut just doesn't feel like settled. So I am again, going back to what is it, you know, if you, if you tried it, what does it feel like? How does it feel in your body type of person? I've seen both ends of the spectrum. Totally. Yeah, me too. And I think, you know, one of the main, one of the main reasons, and I believe I'm, I'm recording an episode all about intermittent fasting soon um, to answer this, because I get this question yeah. a lot is yeah. the reason why I typically don't recommend it is because our hormones in our body do get converted in a lot of different organs that need fuel from the food that we eat. Um, Our also our digestive tract takes a lot of the nutrients Mm -hmm. from the food we eat to help our hormones, not just our thyroid hormones, our sex hormones, our adrenal hormones, all of our hormones and give it in the, in the, where I'm like, Oh my God, I'm thinking of the Krebs cycle right now. And I want to cry, but, um, you know, there's all these intricate biological and chemistry functions that happen mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Our, our hormones need certain nutrients. So I don't suggest fasting because your body needs to be able to pull these nutrients to do all the conversions and things that it needs to do. Um, but I think everyone's different. Um, you know, I can only speak from personal my, my personal story with gut health and thyroid issues, but there are some mornings where I'm so bloated and uncomfortable that I can't eat. Mm -hmm. So fasting does help sometimes. And then, you know, however I get excrete, whatever I need to excrete, but then, or, or, you know, yeah, that's the, that's, that to me means something's going wrong Mm -hmm. and then I get the help I need. Mm, Versus Um, like an everyday situation you know, right. Yeah. Situational. Obviously if you wake up and you're, you're, you're having stomach issues and you just feel like eating would make it worse or triggering something, you know, you need to make the best decision for you and maybe consult with your doctor or your practitioner. Mm -hmm. But I don't suggest like going through the intermittent fasting, like 16, eight or 12, whatever. Um, intentionally because I don't know I just I want to eat when I'm hungry yeah and I think (laughs) where I tend to fall into as well as you know kind of tapping back into you know eat like you said eating when you're hungry and also because a lot of the people that and I'm sure this is probably the case for you a lot of people that have come to see me have a history with dieting and um you know Mm -hmm. food rules and some people tend to use it as a rule versus listening to their body um, or maybe have a history of disordered eating, which would be, you know, counterintuitive for them to do something like that. So it's another thought behind maybe not wanting to do intermittent. 100%. And I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, yeah, food rules. I think you and I are both on the same page when it comes to um, histories of 
orthorexia, disordered eating, you know, intuitive eating and listening to your body. And I think that that really has never done anyone a lot of wrong. Yeah. For every question that we, we've asked, right? Like just listen to what yeah. you need. Yeah. Um, and that's usually trust your gut, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> totally. So good. So, so we have one last question. Okay. Um, and it has to do with digestive enzymes and low HCL in our mm-hmm. stomach, which is something that a lot of women with Hashimoto's, um, low HCL is something that um, mm-hmm. can be triggered by thyroid issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so talking about best digestive enzymes for thyroid and then also, I guess, low HCL. Yeah. So there's a lot of different strategies that somebody could do if they have low HCL. I don't and if someone wants, I just did a post on digestive enzymes too. Um, so when it comes to digestive enzymes, is there a supplement that I love? No, there really isn't <laughs> to be honest. Uh, and, and this is because it gets so individual with, uh, you know, what supplement, like, why are they needing it? Um, cause usually you should be making, you know, these things on the own, your own and feeling really well. And if you feel like you have to take an enzyme every time you eat, that's really a good sign that you or maybe not good, but a sign you want to dig deeper into why you're feeling that way and kind of addressing the root reason of, of that. So, um, I, I don't really have a really good answer to this because, Supplements, especially with digestive enzymes, are going to be so individual with, you know, um, your concerns and, and you know, why you're taking it. So, yeah, I'm, I don't really have a good one. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I agree. I think it really depends on what, what you need and what you're lacking and what yeah. you've discovered on your journey. Um, you know, I, what'd you say? I said there's quite a few different supplements out there. Another thing, so too, is because there's so many and you can get a lot of these things over the shelf. I'm like wondering the efficacy, like how well a lot of these things are working. Mm -hmm. So especially with the digestive enzymes, I'd want to work with somebody uh, to make sure I'm getting a good quality one because I really question the quality of a lot of the over over the counter ones. Totally. And I completely agree. And also you don't really want to mess with your digestive tract if you don't have to. Um, your body is very intentional and is always going to try to keep you safe. And if something's wrong, it, it will tell you. Um, so, you know, if something's not going right, I always say, get off of Dr. Google. Like you don't need to swallow yeah, oh whole garlic cloves and uh, drink these horrible drinks like for parasite cleanse that you don't have, you know what I mean? Like oh my God, work yeah. with someone, get the help you need. If you are not, if you, after you eat, um, mm-hmm. and in your stool are noticing food or just things that aren't normal, or they're always loose or really hard, whatever, you know, be the judge of your own bowel movements, but like, it's okay to ask for help. This is not embarrassing. It's something that a lot of Hashimoto's warriors go through. And Amanda is like the perfect person to go to because she knows what she's talking about. A, she's qualified and she, she does the proper like guidance and testing and helping you through a lot of this mindfully and intuitively, which I think is something that's so different. Yeah. 
Thank you. Yeah, it's um, it. a lot. I guess the moral of today's podcast is listen to your gut. Everyone is going to be individual and uh, you don't need to eliminate foods forever, uh, especially dairy and gluten, um, really trying to find mm-hmm. what works for you. Exactly. I love it. Well, Amanda, this was great. We got through so many questions and they were good questions. Yeah. I was like, Ooh, this is juicy stuff. I'm so excited. And, um, just thank you so much for coming on again. And I can't wait to just see how the, our episodes go. And, yeah. um, guys, if you have more questions, we'll have Amanda on again. Please leave, like in the reviews. <laughs> leave any questions you have for Amanda in the reviews and we will totally jam out again. We have so much fun talking about this stuff. Um, and just thank you for being here, Amanda. Thanks. Thanks for having me.